Thank you for listening to City Church Podcast. If you'd like to know more about us, please visit us at borocitychurch.com. That's B-O-R-O, citychurch.com. Additionally, if this podcast has been an encouragement to you, would you please email us to let us know? You can email us at sermons at borocitychurch.com. Thank you for listening. Uh, so if you have your Bible, get it out. If you have your tablet, get it out. Any new iPad Pro? Anybody get an iPad Pro for Christmas? You probably need about three yards to hold it. That's how big it is. All right, so let's go ahead, turn to Isaiah 9. If you don't have a Bible, or we have some in the back. Grab those, take one. That can be your Christmas present to us. Don't say we never gave you anything. We're going to be starting in verses 6. Let's read together. Uh, for to us a child is born, to us a son is given. And the government shall be upon his shoulder... And his name shall be called Wonderful Counselor, Mighty God, Everlasting Father, Prince of Peace. Of the increase of his what? What's that say? Government and of peace. There will be no end. And on the throne of David and over his kingdom, to establish it and to uphold it with justice and with righteousness, from this time forth and forevermore, The zeal of the Lord of hosts will do this. So I want to start out this morning. This may have just happened with your Christmas presents. You may have gotten something. You may have received something that you thought was one thing. You said, hey, I want X or Y. You get it. You open it. It turns out to be something very, very different. Um, I will share how this happened to me, but I want to bring in a current event that I watched last night before I went to bed. It was this video of this guy, this dad, okay? This dad got a box of a PlayStation 4, put a brick in it, wrapped it, gave it to his son. His son is like... His son starts crying. His son is weeping like, Dad! And his dad's like, go ahead, open it, open it, open it. He opens it. And it's a brick. And his dad is like loving it. Like, ah, I got you. Why don't you go ahead and play it? Go ahead and play that brick. Ah, the worst video I've ever seen. Like the worst prank I have. You thought it was a PS4. It ends up being a brick. It was horrible. Go search for it. It'll be really sad. But let me, let me tell you mine. Let me tell you mine. Okay, who... who it, well, never mind. So for, for the longest time, I worked at Outback Steakhouse. Okay? Uh, from about... Jeremy's laughing because he knows what I'm about to say. And I'm, I'm divulging this information to you to be vulnerable, to show you weakness, and to show ignorance and everything else. So I worked there for about four years. Now, this wasn't four years of like 15 to 19. This was four years, 18 to 22, 23, okay? So I worked there for the longest time, and I would always get people. I'd be like, hey, we're working out back. Uh, would you like a blooming onion? No, okay. And they'd say, hey, do you mind giving us the gluten-free menu? Sure, okay. So you'd walk to the back, you'd say, corner. Okay, you'd cross, you'd get the, get the menu, and I'd, you know, I'd bring it out to him. For years this went on. For years I also did not know what they were asking. So about three and a half years in, I'm 22 years old at this time, a woman, very kind, says, excuse me, sir, can I have the gluten-free menu? And I said, yes, ma'am, but i got to ask you something. Because I had opened this menu several times, and everything was the same to me. I said, what, what is the cardboard made of that is different 
that you can't touch the regular menu. And she says, what do you mean? I said, well, you asked for the gluten-free menu. I've looked on it. Everything's the same. What do they make it with that's different, <laughs> that is sensitive to your skin, that you can't, you can't hold it? <laughs> and this woman looked at me as if I was five years old. And she just kind of said, bread. It's bread. And so I said, no. And she was the kind. So I said, let me see it again. Oh, there's no bread on here. Oh, oh, there we have it. So that is an example of you thinking one thing, but it ends up being completely different. And this is what I think. Why I tell you that story? I think a lot of us do that with the Christmas story. I think a lot of us come to it excited about one thing. We get to it. It ends up being completely different. And then we're like, oh, no, 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 no. And so the first point I want you to see this morning is that your king, our king, was born in a manger, not your homeboy. You've seen the t-shirts. Jesus is my homeboy. And so what I think we do is I think we come to Jesus... I think we, we think he's one thing, and then we get down to it, we understand him, we start reading the scriptures, we start understanding why he's come, and we understand what our king is asking of us, and then we're like, man, this is really hard. All I want to do is decorate for Christmas. I don't want to do anything else. And so we skip town. Many of you. If you've ever been on a blind date before, this is kind of what happens. You kind of ask your friends, hey, have you heard of Sally? Yeah, she's cool, awesome. You ever heard of Dan? Oh, he's nice too. You don't go on their Facebook because they're blocked. You can't see anything. And then you're like, you hear about this date? You hear about this person? You're like, man, I'm so excited. You pull up. They're out at Starbucks on the outdoor table. You're like, whoa, that is not the person I was thinking of. And you go through the drive-thru and you leave. And, oh, I never saw you. (laughs) That's weird. I was there. You, the person I thought was there wasn't there, but you were there. And so I think that's what we do with Jesus. We drive up. We come to the manger. We're like, oh, this is precious. The wise men whispered, you don't understand. A king is here. And then you're not like, oh, I didn't come for a king. I came from a ba- for a baby that I can put on my Christmas tree. And I think we do this. We learn about Christ bringing peace. We love the peace. Well, oh, we, we love the peace. Oh, Christ came to bring peace. But do you see in your scriptures, his peace is attached to what? What never ends along with his peace? Government. His government. Trevor knows. He's read the Bible. Y'all know who Trevor is. <laughs> and so what I want to do, I want you to see this morning that peace is coming through the throne that he is bringing. Through his rule, through his reign. Look, let's look at Isaiah. Okay, we need to see some of the language here. So Trevor's preached on the, the four terms. Wonderful Counselor, Mighty God, Prince of Peace, Everlasting Father. You hear those? We sing about them. Wonderful Counselor. Um, but let's hit some of these really quickly. Okay, Everlasting Father. The commentators say this word is a good word to be used that if you want to describe a government, you want to describe a king that's bringing uh, a rule, but you want to remove the negative connotations of kingship, anybody have a problem like, oh, I don't like the king. Okay, what about everlasting father? Why father? Because at this point in time in history, 
Fathers were rulers of their tribes. They were wise rulers of their families, of their, t- of their little villages. And so everlasting father, oh, this king is going to come and he's going to reign like a dad. That's awesome. That's positive rule, right? Some of you kids are like, no. And so, okay, let's keep going. Look at Prince of Peace. All kings want to bring peace, right? Peace is a good thing. He is the Prince of Peace. He's coming to bring peace. Mighty God. This implies a mighty warrior. God is coming to be a mighty warrior to defeat the dominion of darkness. Do you see the governmental language that's in these words here? And then lastly, wonderful counselor. The king offers wise rule, wise leadership, counsel for the people. And so this is Isaiah. Let's go to the New Testament real quick. Let's look at Colossians 1.13. What does it say Christ has done? He has delivered us from the domain, the Father has delivered us from the domain of darkness and transferred us into the kingdom of his beloved Son. Look at Ephesians 2. Here we go. And you were dead in your trespasses and sins, which you once walked, following the course of this world, following who? The prince of the power of the air, the spirit that is now at work in the sons of disobedience. Do you see the change of rule? The devil's here. He's the prince of the power of the air. If you've you've read Ephesians, you know that term is used to say that right now, you and I are clearly aware, if we watch the news, it does not look like Christ's kingship has fully dawned. And that is true. He's coming. Right now, the prince of the power of the air, Satan still has a little bit of rule here. And so that's who we once once followed before we came to Christ. And so we see the dominions here. But you see, Christ came to bring a kingdom of peace. He came to bring a kingdom of grace. But notice that if he's bringing a kingdom, what is he? A king, Trevor is on it this morning, guys. He must have had his Wheaties for Christmas, and he's good. All right, you, you and I, we can't bring a kingdom. Okay, me, me, Tori, and Jeremy can't go over to Smyrna and say, all right, we have come here to bring a kingdom. They would go, who in the world are you? You don't know us yet, but you will after you join our campaign. We can't do that. A king brings a kingdom. And so you see Christ has come and he does this. He governs. He rules. He's going to do that eternally. But he's starting it now in you and me. He's starting his rule now. And so Christ, the baby king, has come into history through the power of the Spirit to begin his rule and defeat of darkness Project number one. Project number two is he's setting up a throne in the hearts of his people. A great uh, Puritan theologian once said, There is zero place in your heart that desires Christ to come and take up rule. But he's come to set up a throne and he's come to govern us. And so when we pray, remember the, how the, the Christ teaches the disciples how to pray? Remember when he does the Lord's Prayer? Our Father, which art in heaven, what? Hallowed be thy name. Thy kingdom come. Thy will be done. On earth right now. 
as it already exists because you're bringing something at the end. And so when we ask for his throne, we ask for his government, we're asking for something now that is reflective of what he's going to do. But we ask for the government now because we're like, hey, thy kingdom come. A lot of times, tell me if I'm wrong, you and I pray that because we think it applies to the end. Oh God, bring your kingdom at the end. You're going to punch Satan in the face, kick him in the teeth. He's going to go. He's going to lose. And then we'll be like, oh yeah, it's, it's on. He's starting it now. So when you and I pray, thy kingdom come, he's looking back at you going, I did that in a manger and the kingdom has already started and it starts in the hearts of my people. That's now, not then. At least it should be. Amen? At Christmas and in this holiday season, we see the baby. Look, if y'all know anything about me, you know there is nothing that will make my heart melt more than a chubby little baby. Like, if I see a chubby little baby and he's kind of like skinny, I'm like, oh, let's feed him a steak. But <clears throat> if y'all know anything for the first, like, a year and a half of Simon Atwood's life, I did not separate. I was just like, look how chubby it is. Let me hold him. And we just hang out. I love chubby babies. It looks like they have little rubber bands on their hands. And <clears throat> it's just like, man. That is incredible. I told Catherine, we have a child. If he's not chubby, we're going to put him back in the... We're going to let him incubate for a little bit, okay? Nurse, get it. Do we have any ice cream? Anything? we going to feed him? That's what we think about babies. We're like, man, babies are precious. And we hear, we sing about, oh, he's meek, he's mild. Look, you need to know this. God did not send a pushover. God did not send a pushover to start his kingdom. He sent a king. He sent himself. And just because he was a baby does not mean that when he was a baby, he didn't have the authority, the power, the ability to obliterate us. And so when you drive by the manger, I was talking to Jeremy and Trevor this week. If you all have seen that picture online, it's a manger and it says, this was the first king-sized bed. I mean, that's good right there. Take that, take that and do it later. Look, okay. Look, he came to take up residence, rule. He came for a people, a kingdom, a, pol- a spiritual, political unit, us, a town. And so that's his government, but what about it? What about his government? What's the big deal? Let's look back at this. Of the increase of his government and of peace, there will be no end. He says his government will not end, but what else? Isaiah says the peace of the Lord will not end. And it's attached to his government. Our peace is directly connected to and cannot be separated from his government in our lives and his government over this world. Peace, let me ask you a question. I know you probably feel this way. Peace, despite what we think, is not connected to government. It's not connected to rule. Think about it. If I ask you, what brings you peace? Someone telling me what to do. You're not going to say that. That's not what we think. If you're a child, what brings you peace? When my mom grounds me, that's not what brings you peace. What brings you peace, despite what you and I think, is doing whatever we want to. What brings us peace is when we're in control. Right? Just like you don't want peace without, without gov- with, with government, you don't want love with discipline. I mean, our culture, our minds, we think in split ideas. You either love me or you don't discipline me, or you discipline me. 
What, what do you want? You either give me peace or you govern me. They don't go together. Oh, yes, they do. Yes, they do. Because you and I cannot rule ourselves the way Christ can to bring us the peace we need. And so, we think love can't be tough. Peace can't come this way. Look, peace, we think, comes from our ruling. But listen to me. We try to build our peace. And when we think peace is, has come because we're sitting on the throne, what do you think is going to happen? Your peace is going to go away once you're off the throne. If you receive peace from you being in control and being able to do whatever you want to do, the second you're not capable of doing that, your peace is out the window. But what does the Scripture say? The Scripture says His peace will not end. Why? Because His government won't end. He will always be in control. And that is a great thing. And so the king, how do you think, how does this happen, Jonathan? I don't understand. Why is this, why is it only his, his rule? Because the king knows what is best for his people. Better than you and I do. And you think that's not true. You think you know yourself the best. You, you and I do not even, we can't even fathom how deep our hearts go, how deep our emotions, we don't even know who we are. But your king does. And since your king knows who you are, you better believe that's why he came. Because he knows you. He knows you don't have a shot at the Oval Office that God has prepared for Christ. You don't go there. And so we can trust him. Because he knows us better than we do. He loves us better than we love ourselves. And he can rule us and disciple us and govern us better than we can do that for ourselves. It's a great thing that he came to bring a king ship and not just a little friendship. That's why he's more than our homeboy. He's a king... But because of how he came, he actually lets you come, he lets you know who he is. That's awesome. There is no secret service surrounding him that you cannot get to him. He was born out in the open and said, Come to me. Very different king that we're talking about. And so, if he is the true and trustworthy politician, when we say, Jesus, come and rule, when we ask him to sit down on the Oval Office of our hearts, our lives, and say, rule me, start your tenure as king. The second thing we need to see from this passage is, we can't have the joys of the kingdom without the laws of the king. Let me ask you a question. We're going to go back to, just bring this down here. Anybody ever ordered an ab belt? Anybody? You know what an ab belt is? Let me tell you what an ab belt is. An ab belt is something where you say, oh, look at Tom Hardy, look at Chris Hemsworth, I want those abs, but I want to do zero work, and I want to keep eating Wendy's. I had Wendy's yesterday, confession. <clears throat> you know what that's doing? That's saying, I want the result... But I don't want anything else it's going to take to get, to get there. So you get an ab belt. Huh. I don't have to change a thing. Look. I don't care what studies have shown or what HG or whatever that show is, uh, QVC has told you. You ain't getting abs without the work. 
Let's go a step further. Anybody in the, in the 90s remember the Fin Fin pills? Anybody? You're right. I don't remember them either. I was, telling this, I was giving the sermon to Dustin the other day. He's like, oh, it's like the Fin Fin pills. I was like, what do you do in your spare time? The, the mid-90s was 20 years ago. Dustin's been thinking about that Fin Fin pill for 20 years. All right, so here's what this pill is. Oh, man, you know, I really try, I'm really trying to run this marathon. I really want to get in shape. But I don't want to run to prepare myself. I don't want to get in shape. I'll take a pill, and then I can keep my life as is. That ain't happening. Let's go a step further. I really want sexual intimacy. I want the pleasures of sexual intercourse, but, but, I want zero chance of being fruitful and multiplying. How about I take a pill the night before? How about I do whatever it takes to stop what the Lord has created to produce something else? Be fruitful and multiply. You want this, but you do not want this. This is the world in which we live in. This is why our culture makes so much money on the ad belt. Why? Because it knows it's marketing to people that don't have discipline, don't want anybody telling them what to do, and they just want to get the result without doing anything. This is you and me with the Christ child. We, cannot, we want to be in the kingdom. We want to be next door to Paul. What up, Paul? Did you get the paper this morning? Crazy. You want to live in the kingdom, but you don't want to be under the authority of the king. You want to see darkness defeated. You want Satan to get one. You want to see sin eradicated. You want to be moral and good citizens, but you don't want to change. We want the clean house, but we only want to clean the part of the house that everyone sees. Am I right? Any community group hosts? Hey. We got community group tonight. Did you clean? Well, the dog went to the bathroom on the kitchen floor, and the kids colored on the TV. I don't know how that's possible, but they did. And there's there's stuff everywhere. There's a cinnamon bun in. It's clogged everywhere in the toilet. What is going on? Well, here's what we're going to do. We don't have time, so you just clean everything that people are. What? Give me gun to the head. Answer. What do you think are the three rooms that people are going to go in tonight? Well, I think maybe the kitchen, the den, and the bathroom. Clean those rooms. Shove everything else in the other rooms, and put a sign on it that says "Do not disturb." <laughs> Don't go in my kids' room. You up there? Oh, you, oh, you found that? That's uh, you just come on down. That's what we do. That's how we clean our house because we want to appear like we're clean, but we shove everything else in the rooms that nobody sees. I'm going to get to some of Adrian Rogers' quotes in a moment, but if you want to be infinitely blessed in your day, you need to download the podcast, Love Worth Finding. It's Adrian Rogers, uh, late pastor, uh, passed away in 2005. He was a pastor in Bellevue. And so I was listening to the other day, and he was talking about this, this, this concept of how we want to be one way, but we don't want to be the other way. And he said this quote, and it encouraged me greatly. He said, Many Christians have been starched and ironed, but none of them have been washed. I fell out of the shower. That is what happens. We want to appear clean, but we, want, we don't want to be cleaned. And so this is us with sin and our choices in our lives. We're okay for Christ to come and be our house cleaner. Lord, you just don't go up there. No, don't go up there. 
Look, you see, he came to make you and I new creation. Holy, not partially. He doesn't leave an arm and a leg off as much as you want him to. And so a lot of times we want Christ to save. We do not want him to sanctify. We want him to rescue. We do not want him to cleanse. How about another one? We want to grasp hold of our pardon, but we want to let go of the pruning. But we need to understand today and every day that this isn't truly wanting Christ. It's not wanting the real thing. You can't say, I want this, but I don't want this other thing. He can't be divided. It would be like you saying, I want marriage, but I don't want the covenant faithfulness. I want to be in and go out and do whatever I want to do. You have removed the intrinsic quality of what marriage is. I want Christ to save me. I don't want him to sanctify me. Then you don't want Christ to save you. Beloved author C.S. Lewis says this. It's going to be on the screen. I hope if you have time, to, you can write this down. He says, We may wish indeed that we were of so little account to God that he left us alone to follow our natural impulses that he would give over trying to train us into something so unlike our natural selves. But once again, we are not asking for more love but for less. To ask that God's love should be content with you and I as we are is to ask that God should cease to be God. When we come to God, we are not ordering a happy meal. We want Him, we take hold of Him, we get all of Him. And that means we want to live in the kingdom, we abide by the King's laws. He sanctifies us, He governs us, He rules us peacefully. Here's the thing about him. If he can't be sliced up and put on a buffet, you can't take one thing and leave the other. He can't be bro- He's not simple. You can't have his love without his holiness. We can't have his saving without his sanctifying. But the problem is, we want the Savior. We don't want the King. And to do this is to not truly want him. This, let me show you an example of what this is, to try to split up a package. Anybody... Um, Anybody uh, have Comcast supply their uh, media, media things at their house? Cable, internet, Comcast, Xfinity, anybody? Yeah, every, every one of you does, because that's all that is in this, in, town, in this town. Hi, I'm calling to see if I'm available for AT&T user, U-verse. My neighbor has it. Oh, no, you don't have it. Oh, okay, I'll just keep doing Comcast, all right. All right, this is what happens. Catherine and I have Comcast. Our bill was like $90. We had, I don't even know, we had like DVD, DVR, <clears throat> cable, and we had internet, fastest internet. No. Scratch that. Our bill was like $60. We called and we said, hey, we love the internet you're supplying us. We don't want the cable. Can we just get internet? Now, you and I in the world we live in of logic would say, oh, you're cutting off the most important thing. So your bill's going to be what, $40? No. No, 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 no. You cannot break up these packages 
and you cannot select what you want. Um, okay, if you keep the wireless internet and you take the cable off, your bill right now is 63. You take away the cable, add the one. Oh, it's going to be $98 for internet. Ma'am, I don't know if you heard me. I said I wanted to remove something. Yes, we're in the, we're in the two, two, it's 2015, and Internet is supply and demand. Give us our money. Okay, we'll do that. It's $98, Catherine. I guess that's what we'll do. Look, that's what we do. But what we do with that is the same thing with God. It, it, hey, I want to I leave this off, but add this. Scripture tells us in Hebrews 1, this is great, that Christ is the radiance of God, all of God's glory right there in Christ. And Richard Sibbs, he's an old author, he says, listen, oh guys, this is awesome. He says, we love light as it shines. Radiance. Tree. Christmas tree. Manger. We love light as it shines. We detest it as it discovers and directs. That is us with the radiance of Christ. We love the radiance of the manger. We love the radiance of Jesus. But the second he starts directing and discovering things with his light, you're like, whoa, I'd rather be in the dark than you come at me. We were meant to be, First Peter says, a holy nation, a royal priesthood for Christ's own possession, out of one kingdom into another for him, for Christ. But you and I daily... We fight for our liberties. We fight for our flesh. We want to do what we want. We don't like for anybody to tell us anything else. Am I right? I mean, I know that's me. I want Jesus, but I want to keep doing this. Here's a quote by Adrian Rogers. He says, You can't have Christ as your Savior if He is not also your Lord. And so when we confess Christ, we're saying, Come, cleanse me. Change me. Rule over me. Take me out of the dominion of darkness into your light and discover and direct my life. That's what we're asking. And so if you're in the kingdom, you look like it. Am I right? I am not in the NFL. No surprise. If I came up here right now and said, I just got drafted to the Titans. Some of you might be saying, oh, well, that works. I'm kidding. I, I, I just know the Titans. It's, it's a rough thing. I don't even like football. I, rugby. I like rugby. I don't. But if I, would, <laughs> if I were to say, I'm in the NFL, you would not believe me. Why? I don't look like it. You would say, you in the NFL? What are you? you, you are you a trainer? Are you, a, you get water? Kicker? Thank you, Jeremy. Actually, I was. No, that's the problem. And so if you say, oh, I'm in the kingdom. I'm, under, I'm in Christ's kingdom. Do you look like it? And don't go away from here saying that, that how you have to look proves you're in the kingdom. James 1 is clear. It is not works that saves you, but it is your works that show your justification. What does that mean? Justification, big word. Your, how you live will show that you are under Christ's kingdom, His lordship, His government. And so to quote Dr. Rogers again, he says, Christ doesn't change you in order to love you. He loves you in order to change you. Shoot. 
And I want to close this morning to show you why. All of this is hard work. It is. Sometimes it's hard. But let me show you what he's doing. Through our sanctification, through Christ governing and ruling us, he is preparing us for the most royal wedding of all time. And we can find joy in how he rules over us daily because of what he's doing. Point three, he is grooming you for the groom. And many of you, if you've gotten married or if you've been a part of a wedding, you know there is a lot of preparation involved. Anybody? No? All right, cool. We love weddings. There's a lot that goes into a wedding. And sometimes you complain about it. But sometimes you're like really excited. And in a way, if you would go with me here, if you're engaged to be married, your spouse in a way governs you and rules you from living some other way. Am I right? If you're engaged, you're not out getting on Broadway down there. Honky tonk, hello. That's not what you're doing. Your spouse, the future of your spouse is coming into your life. They are restricting you in some way. But you do it, why? You do it joyfully. Because you know you are going to be married. And if you think, if you're married in here, if you think your wedding was awesome, you ain't seen nothing yet compared to this wedding that you and I are being groomed for. You have not seen a thing that compares to what we are being prepared for. And I know you always look back on your wedding gang and you sometimes you like walk up the stairs, you get to a landing and you're like, there's our wedding picture. Dang, honey, I look this good. Shoo. Oh, towels, 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 okay. That's what you do. Look, you and I have not seen a glimmer of what we're going to look like on our wedding day. When we are married to the king. You haven't seen, I don't care how good you look. I don't care how many abs you had. I don't care if it was a six pack or a keg. I don't care. (laughs) You and I have not seen it. And Christ is desiring to rule you, to govern you, to be over your life, to prepare you joyfully for a wedding. And if you and I love getting prepared and we do it joyfully for our own wedding, how much more should we find joy in sanctification knowing why God is doing it? He is doing it to get you ready to live with him. And it is to our benefit that he looks the way he does. No makeup, no dress, No tux, no suit, no square toe shoe is going to prepare you and make you look good enough for the king. Only his blood will do that for you. And his blood means that when you accept his citizenship, you open your arms to his rule. And he says, let me come into your life and govern you. Be your king in a way that prepares you. For where I want you to come with me. That is finding the joy in Christ's kingship. I want to close this morning with this verse. 
Now to him who is able to keep you from stumbling and to present you blameless before the presence of his glory with great joy. Christ has come to save us. But he has come to sanctify us and make us clean. And we need to let him do whatever that means. And church, I feel like every thing we do here is centered on community groups. It's centered on community. Let me tell you something right now that has saved my life. Opening your arms to the Lord's kingship and his direction and his discovering of your sin. It doesn't mean it's you and him in a closet. It means that you open your hands to let his church do that to you through him. It's not easy welcoming someone in and saying, discover my sin, cleanse me, rule me. But that is how the Holy Spirit will do that in your life. Through people, not a ghost. Psalm 19 says, Lord, declare me innocent from hidden faults. Let's let the church of Christ come in, sanctify us through His Spirit to make us a beautiful bride. Let's pray. God, thank You for Jesus. Thank You that You sent Him as a baby. God, You came as a baby But God, you did not come to set up a branch of State Farm Insurance. You came to set up a kingdom offering life and citizenship. And Father, let us find joy in how you deal with us. Because we know from your word that it is from love that discipline comes. We thank you that you desire to make us beautiful for your son Christ. And you do that through the power of your spirit, not on our works. And so at the end of 2015, we say, Lord, come as a king. Come and rule me. Rule my thoughts, my desires. Take everything captive for your lordship. And Father, bring us peace. All in the name of Christ.